Uh, it has changed where we can shop. It changed what we can do in New Orleans. I went out to eat uh, Thursday night down there and had to show them a vaccination card at the restaurant, you know, and uh, which I don't have a problem with uh, at this point. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that's eventually going to happen in a lot more places, like when you fly or do stuff like that. But, you know, we, we, we've got all kinds of things. I mean, whoever would have thought you could wear a mask into the bank to deposit your paycheck? I mean, you know. And, uh, and they would be all right with it, you know. Usually you would think you would walk into the bank with a mask and there'd be a security guard approaching you, you know. But, but now he approaches if you don't have a mask on. And, and so, you know, it's, 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 changed, it's changed everything. And then, uh, you know, we had a, a, what should be categorized as a Cat 5. There was actually a Coast Guard cutter at Port Fouchon clocked wind at 220 miles an hour as this hurricane came in. And it, it, it clocked it at 2.20 for over 60 seconds, which is long enough, I think, for it to be categorized uh, up. And so uh, I know the insurance companies don't want it to be categorized Cat 5 because I think it changes coverages and stuff like that. But we've, there's been a lot going on in the last couple of years. Would you, everybody agree with that? I mean, you know, we've got all this, we've, we've got a lot of civil unrest going on uh, amongst all this stuff. And, uh, and so... That's why we're doing the strategies for stressful times. And the first week we talked about how to keep going when you're just too tired to keep going. Anybody too tired almost? You know, you go back and see these sermons. But, I mean, what happens is, is we were emotionally, mentally, and even physically tired going through COVID for a year and a half. I mean, it's, it's emotionally tiring, especially if you catch the thing and you don't know what's coming next, you know. And, and, uh, and, and then you're worried about catching it. So you want to stay... You know, you, we're normally hugging people down here in southeast Louisiana. Now it's like, you know, we're we're staying away a little bit, and uh, and so everybody was tired, and then and then this hurricane comes, and so uh, people have been worn out, and uh, and we did that. How to keep going when you're too tired to keep going, and how to ha- how to be happy no matter what was last week. We talked about how you can be happy no matter what's going on out here. You can still have an inner joy, inner peace inside, and today. Uh, I want to talk about how to trust God when you don't like the changes. Uh, how many of you like change? No, no hands went up. Uh, and I would, I would venture to say no hands went up online either. I mean, you know, it, it's how to trust God when you don't like the changes. And, and one thing that's for certain, we always used to say death and taxes were certain, but you can throw in there change. Things are going to change. Things are going to change. I mean, uh, you know, we, we love some changes. But other changes we hate. I mean, I, I don't like everything closing at six o'clock. You know, we were we were going to uh, roll calls at, with the law enforcement, trying to help those guys who've worked twenty something days straight until today, the first day off. I talked to a guy Friday, and um, and he said, you know, I'm so what are you going to do on your day off? He said, I'm going to a grocery store. I hadn't been able to go. He said, everything's closed when I get off, and and. Uh, and so we were going there, and then nothing was open after. I don't like stuff closing at 6 o'clock, you know, especially when, when we're used to before Katrina, even everything was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, you go to any Walmart and it's open, you know, just about now there's only one or two maybe that are open. And, and so I don't, I don't like that stuff, you know, and, and uh, you know, I don't like having to wear a mask everywhere. I wear it, but I don't like it. I feel like it causes a rash on my face and, and stuff like that, and, and if I... Don't shave like three times a day. It feels like it's catching on everything, you know, and all that stuff. I don't, I don't like not having the selection that we used to have, you know, and, 
of things. I mean, you know, you go everywhere. Everybody's got a limited menu and, uh, and, and stuff like that. And you go in the grocery store, and they've got, you know, especially early on after the hurricane, one band, brand of bread, you know. And uh, it's like, give me bunny bread. That'll last six months. I mean, you know, have y'all ever noticed bunny bread does not mold? I mean, uh, you know, it just, it'll last forever. And, uh, you know, but, but you just, you don't have the selection that we used to have. I, I don't like that the Apple Watch hadn't shipped yet. I mean, you know, it, you know a lot of things. And, uh, but seriously, uh, you know, life has changed. COVID has changed the way we live and operate. We can like it or not, the storm, each big storm like this. I mean, in the area where this storm hit, in southeast Louisiana, people are going to quit talking about Katrina. You know, it's going to be Ida. Uh, we've driven through some places. Uh, Lafitte is, is just horrible. Uh, Ponchatoula got hit. Laplace got wiped out. We were in a section of River Ridge the other day, and there's no roofs on the houses over there. And it's just amazing. And uh, so it may not be as widespread as Katrina was, but where it hit, it was horrible. And uh, And so... Uh, you know, that's going to be the thing. Schools and, and the way we do education has changed. How many of you ever thought your kids would be learning at home, you know, like they have been, or your grandkids? And some of y'all may be watching grandkids and other people's kids, and that's messed up the way people work. And, and uh, you know, it's been a difficult time. And, and you've got some people turning to God and some people getting angry with God. And, uh, and so uh, what we want to do today is get some practical guidance from the Word of God on how we can trust God, even though we don't like those changes. We can trust Him. We can be a good witness through that. And I believe that everyone can learn to trust God if we, if we do these following steps. So I want you to write some things down. And number one, change is unavoidable. You probably already knew that. But change is unavoidable. It's just going to happen. It doesn't matter how much I don't want it to. It's going to happen. Uh, you know, for a long time, I used to say, oh, man, I wonder when I'm going to feel like a grown-up, you know. And, uh, and I don't feel my age. And then, you know, you start hitting an age where everything hurts all the time. You're the weatherman, more accurate than the weatherman. Some of us that have had injuries from playing sports, it's like, I know some of y'all's knees can predict a cold front and, uh, and rain and stuff like that. And, and it doesn't matter how much you don't want the change to happen. I can blame other people. I can grumble. I, you know, whatever. But things are still going to change. It's inevitable. It doesn't, listen. It doesn't matter how much you work out. Things are going to fall and they're going to jiggle. This used to be up here. Just want you to know. You know, and, uh, and, and you know, but, but now it's down here and it jiggles a little bit. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I, somebody one time told me, said, man, you've been working out for a couple years and nothing's changed. I said, I know. It just, it, it's down there and won't go back up. I don't know. You know, and, and, but, but we don't like that. But look what God said. Genesis 8. He said, as long as the earth remains, and that's until what Pastor Kathy was saying, Jesus is coming back. He's not coming back riding a donkey. He's not coming back to, to pay a price for sin. He already did that. He's coming back to take us to be with him and set the world straight. But as long as the earth remains, he said, there'll be planting and harvest. There's going to be cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. And, and basically what he's saying, there's a time for different things, different seasons, and and uh, and. And each season has a different function. Nothing, even the weather doesn't stay the same. You know, the, the saying down here in, in New Orleans, if you don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes. You know, it's going to change. And, and, uh, and it's sure nice out there right now. And, uh, you know, but uh, nothing stays the same. 
Even inanimate objects change. Uh, you know, uh, I, I like to drive a car for a long time. I mean, mine's got uh, 230-something thousand miles on it, and, and I think I've changed everything that's going to break, so I'm making another 100,000. I don't know, you know, but, but you know, we, th- inanimate objects, eventually this, this stand I'm here will stop holding things up. It'll, it'll rust. It'll corrode. It'll, it'll whatever. Things change. And uh, you can see in your outline, I put these in. I, I don't know if, if there's a blank with them or if I just wrote them out. There's no growth without change. We can't grow without change. And there's no change without loss. There's no loss without grief, and there's no grief without pain. Uh, if you want to grow, that's like saying, I want to have a baby, but I don't want to be pregnant. Uh, I don't want to be stretched out, and I don't want to go through the pain of childbirth. To birth something causes pain. And and, and, if, and if, we, if nobody ever went through that pain, we wouldn't be here because we were changed. And uh, we were pain. My mama used to tell me I was a pain, you know. And, and uh, look, it, it just doesn't work. To bring new life requires change. Change is going to happen. Number two, write this down. These are just facts about change. Change isn't always good, but God uses it for good. Change isn't necessary. COVID was not good, people. The, the hurricane was not good. You know what is good is all the people down here witnessing and giving, giving things out. We were able to go to Lafitte and be in the supply line, the distribution line down there, and pray with people while they were coming through to get water and, and other things. And, and people, the thing we hear, even with a lot of the police officers and people that Samaritan's Purses has gutted their houses out for free, is it is amazing that people love God enough to come do that. And, uh, and, and, and so God uses... Even something horrible as a house needing gutting out, needing a tarp on the roof or trees being cut down, he's using that for good. And, and he always does it. Look at Romans 8.28. This is his promise. We know that God causes what? Everything, circle that, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Paul's not saying everything is good, but that God will bring good out of it. Cancer's not good. But God can bring good out of it. Rape, molestation, prejudice is not good. But God can bring good out of that. A friend of mine in Youth for Christ for years was born out of a mixed race rape. Her mother was raped by someone of a different race. She uh, uh, never had the abortion. And this young lady was a beautiful young lady. She ran around speaking to thousands of teenagers about living for God, about life, and, uh, and those things. So good came out of a horrible thing. God can use anything. For good. Doesn't mean it was good when it happened. Listen, what just happened, you know, what happened to Jesus, if you think about it, was it good? I mean, he was betrayed by a friend. He was, um, he was beaten. He went through f- fake trials. And he was crucified or executed, you know, for us. But what, what good could come out of that? Our salvation. That's what came out of that. Our, our ability to have a relationship with God. If Jesus had not done that, we would still be lost because the Bible says none of us are righteous, not one. We've all strayed away. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us would be saved. None of us would have a relationship with God if the bad things that Jesus went through had not happened. And so God always brings good out of bad. It's kind of like the process of how God brings good out of bad. It's kind of like baking a cake. Y'all knew I'd get cake in here some kind of way. If you take all the different ingredients of a cake and you eat a bite of flour, it's not good. 
If you eat a bite of baking soda, it's not good. Even butter's not good by itself. I mean, you know, it's like, it's, it's like but you put all those things together, which Tiffany does really well. She gives us our birthday cakes for the church. She put them all together really well, add a little heat, and you got something good. You see, and that's what God does. We have elements in our lives that, that don't taste good, that aren't fun to go through, that are tough, that are disappointing. But God will take all of those and put them together and make something good out of them, and make something good out of them. You know, some people act like God was caught off guard by COVID, you know, or, or God got caught off guard because they lost their job, or God got caught off guard because a hurricane hit us. And it's like, it's like oh, oh, you know, they think God's going, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. No, he saw it coming. Listen, the devil's been trying to, you know, take out the church for over 2,000 years. So, you know, and it seems like our government's been trying to take out the church this year in some states where they wouldn't let churches function at all. But, but listen, Every dictator, every pandemic, every fire, every flood, every earthquake, every critic for 2,000 years has been trying to take out the church. But Jesus said the, the wall, gates of hell will not prevail against the church. His church will always be here. And so God's not caught off guard by this pandemic. He's not caught off guard by the storm. He's not caught off guard by an illness. God has, I have a, 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 a thing, in, a picture in our bathroom says, Fear not tomorrow. God is already there. He's, he's not surprised. Number three thing I want you to, uh, to realize, even though change is not always good, God will always bring good through change. Write this down. God's purpose in every circumstance is to make me more like Jesus. His purpose for us is to become like his son. Uh, you know, and, uh, and so verse 28 tied to 29 explains that. He says, and we know God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He works good for those people who love him. And he said this, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Underline that, to become like his son. I believe in predestination. We were all predestined to be like Jesus. The rest of it, I don't, you know. But we were predestined, some old translations will say, predestined to become like Jesus. That's God's plan for us. So everything that comes into our life, everything good or bad that happens, is to make me more like Jesus. You might, you might be going, why is this happening? To make me more like Jesus. And then it says so that his son would be the firstborn of many brothers. I mean, think about it. We got Jesus as a big brother. All right? And, uh, and so God knew in advance who was going to accept his call, who was going to come to him. The call is to everybody, but here's the key. He chose each one of us to become like Jesus. And, uh, you know, listen, God doesn't just want us to be part of the family. He wants us to have the family characteristics. He wants us to be like Jesus. My mama used to say she couldn't tell if it was me walking out of the backyard and onto the porch or my dad. That's because I followed my daddy around all the time when I was little, probably right behind him, under his feet all the time, and I walked like him. And that's what God wants in our character. He wants our character to be like Jesus. And, uh, and so you can see that in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Uh, write that down. I'm not sure I put that in your, in your outlines. But he said the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
What a picture of the character of Jesus. And that's the character the Holy Spirit builds in us. And those qualities, that's what he wants, you know. And, and so uh, he wants us to develop those. And, and, even, and, and they come primarily from pressing in your relationship to God. Like Pastor Kathy was talking, you're pressing into the Lord. You're spending time in the Word. You're spending time in prayer. But you know how you develop love for people? God's going to put you around some unlovable people. You might be working with them. You know how you develop patience? He's going to put you behind the slowest person going across the Crescent City Connection that's ever driven the Crescent City Connection. I was going up 4th Street the other day, and the the cars were spaced out perfectly to keep me from passing this person. I mean, they thought they were still in West Wego over in Marrero. And it it was like, y'all, speed limit's not 25 anymore. You know, it's like I'm going out here and back over, out here and back over, you know. And, and, and he'll put you behind the slowest person. You want to develop peace? He's going to put you in an unpeaceful situation, like a hurricane coming through. Romans 5.4 says this, and I've shared this before. I had a girlfriend in high school underline this verse and give me a Bible when she broke up with me. But um, it says, And endurance develops strength of character. Circle or underline strength of character. That's what God is developing us. And that character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. See, when we develop that character, we have this hope and trust in God that we didn't have without this character, the strength of character. So God uses circumstances to make us more and more like Jesus. Number four, fact about about this, God can even use human error and sin. I'm not talking about when you go out and sin. I'm talking about people who sin against you, who maybe hurt you or or do things. You're the innocent victim of someone else's decision. Maybe, maybe a spouse left you. You know, maybe a drunk driver hit you or a loved one and hurt somebody you love. God can use every sin and every human error for the good of your life. He can bring good out of anything. He can be, bring good out of anything. How, how many of you remember the story of Joseph? You know, Joseph was the favorite son of his daddy, which made all 11 brothers hate him. If you've ever had a, a younger brother who was the favorite, you know what I'm talking about, you know, and, and you got that one. They get everything, you get nothing, you know. They get away with everything, you don't get anything. And, and so his brothers had planned to kill him. You think you had a bad, bad sibling. They had planned to kill him. And uh, now, you know, I know if you've got a bunch of brothers, it's just like, or sisters, it's like, I might kill them, but nobody else is going to hurt them. But these brothers were going to kill Joseph. And then they said, hey, look, why? Why just kill him? Let's sell him into slavery and get a little money out of it. So they did that. They sold him into slavery. Joseph became a slave in, in Potiphar's house in Egypt. And so then he, he was faithful to God, and, and he rose up and became the head of Potiphar's house. And you know the story. Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. Joseph ran. He got falsely accused anyway. Went to prison. So he's in prison for a while. And uh, then he gets to interpret the dream of a baker and a cupbearer and uh and, uh, and so one's going to get killed, executed, and the other one's going to get reinstated. And he said, listen, when you're back in Pharaoh's house, remember me. The guy forgets all about him, you know, until Pharaoh is having nightmares. And he said, hey, there was a guy in prison that told me all the, about my dream that I had. And, and so Pharaoh calls Joseph out. He's promoted to number two in Egypt. And, um, and here's what he said. When he, you know, he, he meets his brothers that sold him into slavery. You ever thought, anybody besides me, you've ever thought about what you'd do to somebody that did something mean to you? I mean, you know, if you, you know, it's, it gives you that little warm, fuzzy feeling for a minute, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, 
And, and so Joseph, I think he had those thoughts because he kind of played with them a little bit. But then when, when they realized who he was and they threw themselves on the ground, they thought they were dead. I mean, you know. And he said, listen, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me into this position so I could save the lives of many people. Listen, what Joseph's first 40 years of his life, what he went through, made him into the person he was and put him in the position where he was at so he could save two nations, Egypt and Israel. Because all of Israel came uh, into Egypt and they were able to eat the food that Joseph through God's plan, had prepared and saved so that both nations would survive the famine that they were in. And listen, there, there are people that are in your life who mean evil to you. They may be at work. They may want to make you look bad so they get the promotion. They may, they may be competing in other, other areas, and, and there are people who just are mean, and, and they don't care. And, uh, and God will even use that for your good. So we need to understand that. Oh, number five, every change, write this down, is always a test of my faith. Every change is a test of my faith. First Peter 1.7, Peter said this, the purpose of these troubles is to test your faith. That's what they're doing. They're testing your faith. They're going to build your faith. He said it's fire test genuine gold, how genuine gold is. Your faith is more precious than gold, and by passing the test, it gives praise, glory, and honor to God. And so when things are going through, it's a test of our faith to see how we're going to respond. See, God knows. He makes a promise that we'll never go through more than with his help we can handle. That's a promise in, in 2 Corinthians 5.13. He promised you won't go through more than what I'll give you the ability to go through. But, th but he says your faith is being tested when you're going through these things. So that's the purpose of troubles. The ones we're going through right now, whether it's the tree on your car, had a had a guy show me a picture of his car, and I said, you know, I'm not a mechanic, but I'd say that car's totaled. It had a tree, just flattened it, you know, and, and, and so it's, it's a test, and, and we're going through that. And, uh, you know, having faith during times like this, kind of like a trapeze artist. Anybody like the circus, you know, we have the trapeze? I don't like heights, so you, there's not enough money in the treasury to get me to hang on one of those things and flip out, even with a big trampoline under it. I'm not doing it. But these guys, they'll swing, you know, and one swings out. And, and this one, at some point, has got to turn loose of his, and he's not supported by anything. And he's got to have faith in this guy over here that he's going to grab him. Now, sometimes they do that without the safety net. That's called crazy. But anyway, uh, they do that, and, 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 and that's the moment of faith. It's like, you know, when we're going through something, you know, just like that trapeze artist, we've maybe got to let go of the old, and embrace the new, and, it, and it's a step of faith. It's a step of faith. If we hold on back here, we're just going to be swinging back and forth. We won't get to the other side and where God wants us to go. And so, uh, you know, if we keep trying to hold on, you know, people keep wishing for the good old days, before COVID, before whatever, those days are gone. You know, after Katrina, we had a saying called a new normal. COVID, a new normal. Ida, a new normal. And, uh, and so, you know, we can't hold on to that. But God is going to use all of this to make us stronger. And, uh, and, and besides that, the good old days weren't as good as we actually think they were. We just kind of think about them in those terms. So think about it. We, 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 you know, we've got to stop complaining and wishing it was like before. They're not coming back. 
And, uh, you know, looking at the past is like driving your car backwards and looking in the rearview mirror. Eventually, you're going to crash. Eventually, you're going to crash. And, uh, and you'll be miserable while you're doing it. You'll be miserable while you're doing it. And so we need to ask God to show us his purpose and make us stronger through it. So I want to give you five, five action steps that we can take that will help us, uh, that we can grow in our faith and uh, trust God even when we don't like the chances. So write these down real quick. One, invest more time alone with God. Invest more time alone with God. I mean, if you don't hear anything else I've said today, this is it. Invest more time alone with God. I, I mean, it, spend more time with Him. Time alone with God is a great stabilizer when you're stressed out. When, you're, when everything is crazy, time alone with God will help you center and, and that's, why, that's why we talk about morning quiet time, that first 15 app that uh, we've talked about, the, the devotionals that we hand out. Uh, you can go through a devotional, spend at least a little time with God in the mornings. It's a, it'll stabilize your day. Your day will be better. It's also time alone with God is not only a stabilizer, it's a good way to re-energize ourselves. Uh, you know, if you think about it, most of us don't have the same energy level we did 19 months ago. You know, we're, we're weary from, from masks. We're weary from not knowing, is my favorite restaurant open today or is it tomorrow they're open? Or we're weary from, from not being able to see people as much as we could. We're weary from the work regulations and stuff like that. And, 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 and now we're exhausted physically from the storm. And, and, uh, and so spending time with God will help. Look what Isaiah said. He said, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. And no one can measure the depths of his understanding. Folks, God doesn't get tired. He doesn't get sleepy. And, uh, and, and I know he re- somebody said, well, what about the Sabbath? You know, He rested on the Sabbath. He did that to model to us what we need to do. Because God doesn't get tired. God, it just says it right here. It says, you know, he, does, he never grows weak, weak or weary. And, uh, and so he wants, so the more we spend time with him, the more it's going to energize us because of his strength. Look what he says. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Listen, when you feel weak and powerless, you need to get with God because he's going to give you strength. He's going to give you power. He said even young people, even youths will become weak and tired. Young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. How many of you besides me, you need some new strength? We all need new strength. See, that, look, I, I'm looking at, at one of you in here, a couple of you. You've been working 20-something straight days. I, I mean, you know, a, a lot of people, you're working overtime in your plants. I mean, you're, you're doing all kinds of stuff. You get tired. And that time with the Lord is more important. Listen, I believe it's more important now than it's ever been. And, and, and yet there's more stress on our time. But we've got to take that time to be alone with the Lord. I mean, listen, this is a stressful time. I'm not, not negating that. People, so many people have their houses damaged, mold in their house, destroyed houses. We've got people working out of town, uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, it's like the deputy that said he's going to go buy groceries because, you know, this storm happened on the 28th, 29th. He had, he's been at work every day, hadn't been able to go buy groceries. And, uh, and, and so, you know, it's a stressful time. That means it's more important than ever when you're going through difficulties, whether it's work, health, or whatever it is, 
Get that time alone with God. You've got to do it. We've got to do it. Second thing, ask God to help me see his perspective. Ask God to help me see his perspective. I mean, in your quiet time, just ask God to show you his perspective, you know, about what's going on. When you're reading the word of God and worshiping, ask him to help you see people and situations from his point of view. See, there's a difference between seeing everything that's going on in the world. I mean, you can watch the news and you can know all the details of this bill going here and this and this and all this stuff, but there's a difference between seeing that from God's perspective and CNN's perspective or Fox's perspective or whatever you're watching. We've got to learn what God's perspective is on it. Not a political viewpoint, God's viewpoint. Not, you know, not, not some newscaster's viewpoint, God's viewpoint. We've got to learn what his is. And so if you ask him, he'll show you. See, we, we can keep up, you know, with the news. But ask God to show you his perspective. And, and I'd venture to say it's going to be different than what the TV news people want you to, want you to feel and think. And, uh, and, and listen... When Moses led the people out of Egypt, there was a lot going on. I mean, think about it. Uh, they left, and then Pharaoh chased them. And so they were run into the Red Sea where they, they were trapped, and then God opened the Red Sea. And then they got over there. They had no water out in the wilderness, and Moses struck a rock, and water came out of a rock. They said, we're hungry, and manna was on the ground every morning after they ate. Then even when they complained and said, Lord, this bread and water thing's getting old, he provided quail for them, you know, and and stuff like that, and, 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 and they saw all the current events, but look, only Moses knew the heart of God. Look what, what Psalm 103.7 says. God revealed his character to Moses, but his deeds to the people of Israel. See, it's easy to see the deeds, what's going on. We want to know God's character. We want to know what God is doing with this. We want to know what's God doing with this. You know, I, 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 there's probably a lot of preachers besides me believe what we're going through really this is an opportunity for our country to turn back to the Lord. It's an opportunity for our friends and family to turn back to the Lord. And and doesn't mean people are always going to do that. But, you know, it's an opportunity for that to happen. I believe that's one of the things God wants to bring out of all this. And and so ask ask God, you know. Uh, you know and so, uh, you know, when we can see what's going on. Listen, you get wisdom from two places. Number one, write this down. You ask God. You ask God. The second one, write this one down. You ask God. That's where you get your wisdom. And so we don't get it from Newsmax, Facebook, CNN, or any of those other people. We get wisdom from God. And uh, he says in James 1.5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He'll give us wisdom. And uh, after we ask, we, we've got to learn uh, from those who teach the Word of God. We, we need to learn. I mean, th- listen, the Bible's got all kinds of instructions. You know, one, we spent a, a day out in Lafitte serving, and one of the Billy Graham chaplains gave us one of Billy Graham's Bibles with notes in it, you know, Billy Graham Bible with notes. And, and man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use it. I don't, I'm not a New King James person, but I'm going to use that Bible. I mean, it's got Billy Graham's notes in it. Man. And, and so, uh, you know, we've got to learn. What is the Bible teaching about different things? And so we need to do that. Number three, instead of asking why is this happening, we need to ask God, what is it you want me to learn? What is it you want me to learn? You know, why? God doesn't know us a why answer, actually. 
We can ask why the hurricane whacked us. We can ask why COVID isn't leaving. Why are people so angry? Why are they shooting each other at gas stations? And we don't often get those answers. We need to focus, though, on our own character. We need to focus on what we can focus on and what we can change, not the changes to the culture. Look at this verse, Romans 5, 3 and 4. This is the whole passage my ex-girlfriend underlined for me. She said, we can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character character develops, strengthens our confident hope of salvation. See, problems and trials, we're going through those, right? He uses them to produce character and endurance. Folks, let me tell you something. We need endurance. We need endurance. You know, one of the things, you see teams that are coming in here, and they're all pumped up and excited, and they're down in Lafitte gutting houses there, and Laplace gutting houses, and what happens is about Wednesday. They realize that those piles they're putting out on the street is everything somebody's accumulated in their lifetime. And it hits them. It hits them. And, and so they need that endurance. We need that endurance. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, have you ever noticed that, uh, here's an extra, just that problems are relentless? You ever wonder why? They just keep coming and coming and coming? That's because God wants to change us and we don't want to change. Think about it. God's wanting us to change. He'll do the little whisper, then he'll get a little louder, and then he uses a Cat 5 hurricane. And, uh, and he wants us to change. He wants us to listen to him. And, uh, and so until we decide to do it God's way, guess what's going to keep happening? Problems are going to keep coming into our lives. So I don't know about you. I want to start listening for that little whisper and say, okay, God. I want to do it your way. I want to do it your way. You know, another thing in this passage that we see is that when we become people with character of God, the character of God, we'll be known as people of hope because we'll be full of hope ourselves. You know, when we've got hope because we know God is in control, I know whatever it is, God is going to take care of me. I know he's going to use me, and I know he's in control. This has not caught him by surprise, and we can give that hope to others. We can give that hope to others. And, uh, and so we'll be known as hopeful people, wise, mature, and people with a God, big perspective or God's perspective are people of character, and they're hopeful people. Immature people are people with no hope, and they're scared, and they're bitter, and they're ticked off all the time. And uh, I want us to, in River Church, I want us to be mature in the faith. I want us to be people who don't get angry with people who disagree with us, but who, who give hope to people. We speak hope. We speak life when we're speaking to people. And, uh, and that's what we need to do. We've got an opportunity to speak life in a dark world. And, uh, and we want to do that. I look, like Paul's perspective. He said this in Philippians 4.12. He said, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. And, and what you may not know about Paul, Paul, many people think he was wealthy as a Pharisee. And he gave all that up. He was the most educated person. Matter of fact, David Ben-Gurion, who's the first prime minister of Israel, told Pastor Kathy's dad that Paul, the Apostle Paul is the most biggest threat to modern-day Judaism because he was an educated Jew. His writings are. And so Paul said, I've learned to live on almost nothing or everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. I mean, Paul's been shipwrecked. He's been snake-bitten. He's been stoned to, you know, where they throw rocks at him. Uh, stoned to death. He's been... And eventually he was executed. He's been whipped. He's been beaten with sticks. He's been imprisoned. 
All those things he says, I've learned in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, he's learned how to live on that. And then he said this, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's maturity and faith in God. And we can get through this time through Christ who gives us strength. You can work 20-something straight days through Christ who gives you strength. You can walk away from somebody who's trying to bait you into something through Christ who gives me strength. We can either mature fast or we can mature slow. It depends on us and how much we'll give in to the Lord and allow Him to direct our lives. I don't know about you. I want to learn it. Anybody, anybody besides me, you want to learn it with the soft voice, not the hammer? Okay, and... and uh, you know, listen, write this down. It's not in your notes, but every situation's an education. There's something for us to learn in every situation. No circumstance we'll ever go through that we can't learn from. No, no person we ever encounter that we can't learn, can't learn something from. So ask God in every situation what he wants us to learn. Number four, real quick, focus on what never changes. I mean, there's a lot of changes going on in our world. And, and I, if you're like me, I don't like most of them. I, I don't like change a lot, you know. We like to watch, the, when we watch movies, it's these period flicks, you know, back in, you know, before they had the Internet. And I, I sometimes think, Man, I'd like to, I'd like, wouldn't mind living back there. And then I think, I wouldn't have an iPhone, you know. But, uh, but you know, it, it's like, you know, you look, and, and, and so we don't like change, you know. And, uh, but there's always going to be change. But there are a lot of things that don't change. And that's what we need to focus on. You know, it, it, we need something that doesn't change to be our anchor. When everything is going crazy, we need something that's going to anchor us to where we are. And I want to, I there's a lot of things that don't change. I want you to think about what's anchoring you right now. And I want to give you several things that don't change. One, God's love will never change. God will love you no matter what. Matter of fact, God says, hey, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's like, you know, now do something about it. See, you, you can't stop me from loving you. God loves you. It, it'll never change. Jeremiah said this. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. Even today, God loves Israel. I mean, you look at some of the inventions coming out of there. It's amazing. It's amazing. He said, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. God loves us. His love's never going to change. Second thing is, is God's word will never change. Write that down. God's word's never going to change. It's as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago when the New Testament was written. It's as relevant today as 6,000 years ago when the Old Testament was written. I mean, it's relevant today. It speaks to everything today. God's word will never change. When he said this is wrong 2,000 years ago, it's still wrong today. This is right 2,000 years ago, it's right today. It'll never change. Isaiah said this, the grass withers and the flowers fade. The metal's going to rust, the wood's going to get rotten, the, fl- the roof's going to come off the houses, there'll be a different neighborhood in your neighborhood one day, but he says this, the Word of God stands forever. The Word of God stands forever. It is true today, it'll be true tomorrow, it'll be true 10,000 years from now if, if God doesn't come back. The Word of God stands forever. Number three, write this down. God's purpose for your life will never change either. God's got a purpose for each one of us. In Psalms, it says, 3311, it says, The Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intention can never be shaken. God's got plans for you and me. And and you may think, 
Oh, if I make a bad decision, I made a bad decision. Oh, I've messed up God's plan for my life. No, you don't mess up God's plan. He's always going to bring things out the way he wants. He's going to direct those. His purpose will never change. Now listen, I don't claim to be a prophet and I don't predict the future. But I do know this and you can take this to the bank. God's going to have the last word. And it's going to be good. All right? It's going to be good. So when someone's hopeless, they're just not seeing things from God's perspective. And so we've got we've to focus on what doesn't change. And, and fifth, and finally, I think Pastor Kathy's good with this. She makes declarations. We've got to declare, God, I trust you no matter what. God, I trust you no matter what. That's got to be a declaration we make. God, I trust you no matter what. Maybe eventually it'll poke up on the screen so you can see it. Say that with me. God, I trust you no matter what. I trust you no matter what. And so we've got we've to understand that. No matter what's going on, whether it's a pandemic, a hurricane, crazy politics, changing morals, changing work ethic. I mean, everywhere you go, there's no reason not to have a job right now. Everybody's hiring. I wish I'd have been the one to invent the little red pen that says we're hiring. You know, and, uh, and uh, but uh, here's what, what he says. The, the righteous man, he said, he does not fear bad news nor live in dread. When we're following Christ, we don't fear bad news. We don't live in dread of what may happen. For we have settled in our mind that God will take care of us. That's not, I, we need to be able to tell God, I trust you no matter what. We had a friend one time, his wife was dying of cancer or stroke or something in the hospital. And, and he was in the faith movement. And he, was, he said, God never asked me, do you have enough faith? For me to heal her. He said, do you trust me no matter what? That's what God's asking us today. Do you trust him? See, Psalms 23, the psalmist said this. Even if a whole army surrounds me, I will not be afraid. Even if enemies attack me, I will still trust God. I mean, even though you've lost a loved one, even though you've lost your house, even, even you might be experiencing the worst time of your life, can you say with the psalmist, I will still trust God? Let's say that. Look at that, that scripture. I will still trust God. I want you to bow your heads. God, we know that change is unavoidable. And, and God, I thank you that you will always bring good out of bad things. That you'll always bring good out of bad things. Lord, I want... I want you to make us, I'm asking you to make us more like Jesus today. Help us to, to show love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, all those things, self-control to others. As we go out today, Lord, let people see the character of your Son in us. Lord, help us to realize that everything we're going through it's testing our faith. It's strengthening our faith. It's making us more and more like you. So Lord, I pray that we'll take these, these things we've looked at, these practical steps, God, and that, Lord, you'll, you'll help us to prioritize that time with you every day so that we can, we can spend that time with you and become more like Jesus, Lord. Help us, uh, Lord, to, to do those things. Lord, help us to, to, to 
allow you to strengthen us. Help us to see the events that are going on around us from your perspective and not mine, because mine's real small, but yours is big. Lord, I want to be wise like you are, so help me, God, to see those things like you see. Help me to see people like you see them. Lord, help us all to be more like Paul, who was content even when he wrote this from prison in a horrible situation. Lord, help us to focus on what doesn't change, your love, your word, and your purpose. God, give us your strength. You said in your word we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So, Lord, this morning, I pray for each person in this room. Lord, we can do all things. We can go to work. We can live our lives. We can deal with our family. We can deal with a, an ornery co-worker or whatever, through Christ who gives us strength. We can deal with the loss of loved ones through Christ who gives us strength. We can, we can deal with getting our house back together through Christ who gives us strength. Lord, I know the key to all of that is to know you as, as our Savior, and that's the first step. So if you're in this room today, and maybe you don't know Jesus, I'm inviting you to walk on a journey with, with us, with me, with those of us that have already made that decision of, of walking in faith, following Christ. 